Macho Man Randy Savage's bride, who I think his name is Lady Stephanie or something. I, I hope you get like Twitter comments be like, Adam's an idiot. As Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Stephanie is Paul Bearer's real name. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Paul Bearer. Rest, rest in Paul. <laughs> None of this is going to be usable. <laughs> no, this is the opening. <laughs> Basically, the episodes that have come out recently have had drops from things like Phantasm 2, Pumpkinhead, Ghoulies. There is no pop culture reference too bad for me to not include it on this podcast. Expect nothing less. Yeah, for me. (laughs) Is that a moldy reference I have found? (laughs) Perfect. Let's build a show out of it. Welcome to And Thereby Hangs a Tale. My name is Adam Clark, and oh, wait, wait a minute. I usually wing these intros, but uh, I think I've got something written down this time. Yeah, I remember doing this last month. Let's see what I got. <clears throat> My name is Adam, and I'm here to say. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I've just thrown that in the trash. Perhaps you heard it. <laughs> This is a podcast. We don't fully things in later. Anyway, yeah, forget about that intro. For the millionth time in my life, I'm forced to say this, but pardon my rapping. On And Thereby Hangs a Tale, this month, my guest is author J. Margot Critch, known as Juanita to her friends, and her specialty is romance. We're going to talk about how fandom, and specifically fanfic, acted as a gateway to her current job writing romance novels. Now, fanfic is something I know well, too. My first dabbling in creating was making comics based on cartoons and comics that I liked. And I did that for a number of years. And that could be called fanfic or fan comics, even though this was done before I had the internet and knew what fanfic was. And if those comics don't qualify, well, there's always my grade four Sherlock Holmes bunicula crossover, the five orange peeps. Now hear me out. It had something to do with bunicula. Posing as a store Easter bunny, sucking all the marshmallow goo out of peeps, leaving only orange husks behind. Uh, Since I was a fan of the Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes movies, I just transposed Holmes and Watson to the present day with no change to their personalities or their wardrobe. I mean, in my kid brain, Holmes and Watson were eternals. I mean, if Holmes could survive Reichenbach Falls, he could survive the aging process, right? Now, I honestly think that fanfic is good training ground uh, for the brain to learn how to write. You've got a pre-created set of characters, and you play them off of situations or character combinations you, the novice writer, imagines. Now, I may not have been thinking about the five orange peeps when I was writing plays, short fiction, or various bits of criticism and nonfiction, but I guarantee you that writing those stories, whether they involved bunicular or whether they were comics, taught me something and made me a better writer and made me appreciate the craft. Uh, The craft of writing, not the witch movie, The Craft. Now, like me, Juanita Margot Critch has also dabbled in fanfic, and we talk about the role it played in her becoming an author. Speaking of, Juanita, I know some of your work's been published through Harlequin, but how many books do you have published overall? 
five full length and two shorts. I've got two coming out this year and a novella out this year. So that'll be uh, seven full lengths, three shorts by the end of the year. <laughs> and how many of those are with Harlequin? Two so far with Harlequin. That's uh, in the boss's bed and in her best friend's bed. This year I've got two more coming out with Harlequin Dare and another one early next year. Excellent. Now Juanita, please tell me about your first attempts at writing. Well, now you probably know I write romance, but back in high school, I had a secret writing career as a uh, WWF The Rock fan fiction writer. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's silly, but it's so fun. (laughs) Were these also romances? They were! (laughs) (laughs) Now, was this slash fiction? I never wrote slash fiction, but I've read a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> like The Rock Triple H was like my catnip at the time. <laughs> like, Please break down every part of that sentence. I remember one um, where The Rock and Triple H going at it, but Triple H is wearing the belt, like the, the World Heavyweight Championship belt, and it was a huge deal. How is it a huge deal? For the characters. <laughs> oh. <laughs> For the characters, it was like The Rock really wanted it. Because they were they were like rivals at the time. I shipped The Rock with Trish Stratus a lot. Like I I loved the Okay, so there's like one episode of Raw where they kissed and I almost lost my mind. I stayed up to like 3 a.m. thinking about it that night. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I wrote a se- like a 25-part series about The Rock and Trish Stratus. And what? I came in I did! I, I came in second in a fan fiction writing contest on like this huge rock website. And it wasn't even like my friends voting for me because I didn't tell anybody. Oh my god, like this is really cool that people who aren't my friends like what i wrote <laughs> there is no greater validation than the validation you get from this is so perverse but it's true it's like the validation you get from people who aren't your friends like when your friends tell you it's like right? man you're very talented and you do a thing you always almost instantly goes like ah that fucking person loves me like a fucking idiot what do they know yeah and and you know what a lot of my friends don't read my books and that's cool and uh, it's true, though. It's like, um, like I've got a ton of friends who are like, oh, romance is my thing, but good on you. And I accept that. I don't expect them to I read my stuff. I would lose so many friends if I approached them every time we, we hung out with, like, Did you, do you listen to the shows? All three shows that I'm on? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Please listen to the punishing amounts of me I put out every month. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the strangers that accept what you're putting out there is better than the people who are required. Like, my mom, literally, she's like, oh, my, like, anytime I post something about my books or whatever, and her she, like, she's the first to come and be like, I loved it so much. You're so good and talented. I'm like, thanks, mom. But that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Yeah. That said, uh, like I, I'm super proud of you for for writing these books, and I try to pro- I try to promote them as much as I can. I usually re- promote them with references to how much the potential reader will be masturbating just by opening the damn thing up. It's so fucking sexy. Yeah. See, those are all big achievements. Harlequin's a, 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 like a huge face for the genre, and it's Absolutely. like it, it's like kind of the name of the genre. It's the Harlequin romance. Yet. I've never been more proud of you than finding out you came in second place for rock fanfic. <laughs> I know. It's like a huge shoot. I should put that in my bio. Like. <laughs> so, Do you want to know the title of it? Abs- I want to know every detail. Let's start with the title. 
Okay, the title of the series was I Can't Get No Stratisfaction. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's for Stratus. <laughs> oh, it's made out of cackle. I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Dear audience, when you can make Adam cackle, that's success. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, God. And you were worried that this episode would turn out to be boring. That's the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry. The podcast is over. I'm clinically dead. <laughs> Adam died. <laughs> Doing what I loved. Rest in Paul. <laughs> God, I have so many questions, but where to begin? So it was called The Kid Kid No Stratisfaction. <laughs> and it was about The Rock and and who is the Stratosphere? Who is this person? Trish Stratus. She's like this gorgeous blonde, like blonde bombshell of a woman. Super talented wrestler. She's from Toronto. She was wonderful. She was like my favorite. And then they like kind of accidentally shipped the two of them like for two weeks on Raw and I lost my butt about it. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god. Is it safe to say that, that you have a certain fondness for Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Oh, do I ever. I'm more proud of The Rock's success than anybody else. I made that happen, Adam. That was all me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The secret only works if you're a young Newfoundland woman believing in a wrestler. <laughs> Listen, I've been with him since 1997. I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> I, I believe you are anyone's good luck charm, Juanita. <laughs> You mentioned that Trish Stratus was your favorite. So then, like, my memory is that the women were barely featured on WWF. That could just be, like, faulty memory. Or they could just be how it was in the late 80s, early 90s when I was watching. Yeah, I'm talking late 90s-ish. You're a raw is war person, are you not? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, the Attitude Generation or Get the Fuck Out. Like, (laughs) am I allowed to curse? Yes, of course (laughs) you're allowed to curse on this show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Attitude Generation or nothing. But, um... No, it was like late 90s, yeah, I'll say late 90s, early 2000s, they brought the Women's League in and like actually brought in women who weren't just managers and valets and stuff. Oh. So that's when they started back with like the female wrestlers like Trish Stratus and like Lita and they're more escaping my brain at that point. Okay. Um, anyway, there was a whole slew of them. This fanfic was my magnum opus your magnum opus (laughs) was inspired partially by the fact that there was some tension in the storyline between trish and the rock at one point correct like they actually kissed and i lost it going back to the story like this was 23 parts like 25 i think 20 this was this is a saga it was What would you say, word count-wise, roughly, would these be? I have no idea, because my life just started revolving around word count recently. Um, I have no idea. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you, but each chapter was, like, some event, so it was... Like, it even trailed until, like, them getting married. I can't remember how... Like, I can't remember, like, a lot of it. I know they got married... During my during rot might have been. I have no idea <laughs> what happened to this story. Oh, I'll never know. You have to find it and post a link in the show. The link will be on the show notes for this show. <laughs> the show notes. <laughs> I'll see if it's still up somewhere. It's the internet. Nothing disappears. Yeah, if it's fanfic.net. No, it wasn't fanfiction.net. It was on a website. Maybe I put it up on fanfiction.net. I don't know. 
Let's see. I'll, I'll Google. I can't. I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that title. It doesn't even make sense. Oh. <laughs> no, no, it's so clever. It defies sense. Postscript from the future. It is with heavy heart that I must inform you listeners that, alas, despite a lot of Googling on Juanita's part, we were unable to locate a copy of I Can't Get No Stratisfaction in any or all of its parts. We now resume our conversation, already in progress. Was this kind of like your gateway drug to fanfic, or were you like reading and or writing fanfic at this point? I first discovered fanfic with Buffy. Buffy or... No, it wasn't Friends. I thought you were going to say Frasier. That would have been so amazing. (laughs) Well, when I got into the Frasier fanfic... (laughs) No, uh, I was into Friends for a while, too, because when I get into something, I super get into something. Yeah. But I think it was Buffy fanfic I started reading, because I didn't quite... Like, I'd go to, like, you know, like, fan websites and be like, oh, bios, pictures, fanfic. I'm like, what the fuck is fanfic? (laughs) And then I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, this is, like... It's very cool that someone's taking something and kind of making it their own. Like, I can't picture anything cooler than someone taking something I created but kind of adding to it. So it's it's very cool, like, how people get really into fandom and fanfic. And so, yeah, I started reading fanfic at Buffy. Sorry. <laughs> I just went on the whole thing. What appeals to you most about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And was it the romance element? Yeah, because all the fanfic I kind of read was always like a Xander romance fanfic. Like, I, I'm maybe I'm just a super sexual person, Adam Clark. I don't know. I'm willing to believe but... that. <laughs> Uh, no, it was like, I think I was always kind of drawn to like the romance angle, even if I didn't really recognize it or realize it. Hmm. So I was like, yeah, I was like when I was, yeah, it was always like Xander Willow, Xander Cordelia fanfic. Or then when I went to wrestling, like I started finding like wrestling romance fanfic and yeah, I don't know. I, I, I never actually thought about that before, but yeah, maybe I've always been into that happily ever after people loving each other thing even just like despite like all the freaking chaos in the world and like buffy's nothing but people like risking their lives and wrestling just people like physical violence all the time but finding like that little bit of like humanity that bit of romance i don't know i don't know maybe (laughs) Uh, i ship xander and that praying mantis professor oh yeah (laughs) but i also ship willow and that uh, demon on the internet And Buffy and, I don't know, that lady got turned into a statue. Oh, I hate Buffy. (laughs) Buffy's the worst character in that show. Listen, if that show was about who really mattered, it'd be called The Adventures of Anya, Giles, and Xander. (laughs) Right? Yeah. That'd be a sick show. Why didn't that get made? In terms of your fanfic, you're, you're exposed to that through Buffy the Vampire Slayer and... Did just become whatever fandom that you were interested in, I should check out the fanfic for that, or... Was it a matter of, I just like reading romance fanfic, regardless of what genre it's about? Like, would you be, like, reading a show that you didn't watch? It's like, oh, I should read this Sequest DSV fanfic. Um, I would read that, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pretend I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, because the kid from Ladybugs was in that, wasn't it? Holy shit. Did you at some point become a fan of fan fiction specifically, where right, you would right. read things that weren't even associated to a franchise no. or property okay no i uh i, I say so super dis- dismissively like no no uh but no i um i was i mentioned earlier i got super into things i was super into like yeah. um i can like trail it through my life too is like 
I was super into Jordan Knight, New Kids on the Block. Like, super duper. Which one was he? Which? Uh, the pretty one? Uh. <laughs> uh, not, um, mm. No, the pretty one is, um, I'm trying to picture, picture his line in Step by Step now. I think, mm. maybe he might have been the, it's just you and me one. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Uh, anyway, I can't really say. He's doing the dark hair. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> you know, he's the white guy. The white guy in Nukes on the Block. But anyway, so super into that. But, like, once puberty hit, hits hard. Mm-hmm. So I was wicked into Friends in grade six. I'd Matt LeBlanc in my heart. <laughs> so I, like, literally, like, would – I would just go, – like, it's when we first got internet, too. So it would be, like, I would just search Matt LeBlanc and, like, print off pictures and put them in my agenda and all that stuff like that. And I would, like – like so that that lasted a year. And then I got into Buffy. And that's when I started reading the fanfic. So I was into that for a few years. But then in uh, grade – no, maybe I was only in the Buffy for a year. Because then I got into wrestling in grade 8, and that lasted until 2003. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was so into The Rock. I, I can't even talk about how into The Rock it was. I have, like, all these VHSs at – like, actually, they're here now. I don't have a VCR, oh of course. Oh, my God. But I've got, like, 12, like, 8-hour VHS tapes just from whenever The Rock was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I wish I was kidding. Actually, I don't wish I was kidding. I'm glad I have that. You should be so proud of yourself as <laughs> like, the archivist for The Rock. Right? Yeah. I'm The Rock's archivist at this point. Between your fanfic days and your days as a romance writer, how much writing did you do in between? Because this is you in, like, Grade seven for your like fanfic days. You're in your junior high, right? When you're writing fanfic, uh, high school slash first year university. <laughs> Oops, was my was my fanfic days. Uh, I, I did. But, I was just trying to date it by timeline. I, I just fucked up my math. That wasn't a judgment no, call. No, I, <laughs> no, I um, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't write anything. It was so weird. I'd be like, I looked at Brian the other day, and I was like, I don't know what I did when I didn't write. Like, what did I do with my free time? Because I literally, if I'm not working currently, like, my uh, part-time job, like, that's get me out of the house. Like, if I'm not there, I am have the computer open in front of me. I was like, I don't know what I did with my downtime whatsoever. <laughs> so, I've not, no, I, I wrote nothing until I just decided, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try this romance thing. See if I can write one of these. Did you ever have, then, because you had this absence of what was then a hobby and what is now a big part of your life and career as a writer, like without it, did you have this kind of like emptiness of like, there's this thing that I should be doing and I don't know what it is. Or did you already feel defined enough that you didn't miss anything? You know what I mean? I, uh, during this emptiness time, I worked at a cafe and I just, my life was going nowhere. (laughs) So I guess. (laughs) But did you feel, did you feel that? Did you feel bad about it or, or. Um, No, I honestly, I don't think I ever thought about it. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it came from one day to just start a document on page one. I, huh, I have no idea. I, maybe I, I planned a wedding for a year in between. I have no idea what I did outside of that, though. <laughs> that whole, like, period of my life is just, like, one blob of, like, time, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure. 
because I guess from a, from a certain degree, like you're arguably too busy with school, you know, being in university and everything and doing some writing there, but like academic writing. I, I I don't know. It was like kind of like that time was just a blackout, I guess. It was a literal blackout in 2013 that would get Juanita back into writing. This was the dark NL storm that left a lot of Newfoundland residents without power. Juanita would lose power for about two days, and she wasn't thrilled with what her husband or housemates were doing to occupy their time during the blackout. Everyone was playing board games. I was like, fuck that. Boring games, am I right? And they had, like, headlamps on and candles burning, like, playing games. I was like, fuck that. What I find best about this is that your return to writing came because you so loathe the idea of playing apples to apples. <laughs> with nothing but board games as her alternative juanita you had to engage in the filthy shameless act of reading and by the sounds of it you devoured a ton of romance novels oh then i read a ton of them because like i said before is like romance readers will read dozens of book a month like okay so it's like on romance twitter it's always a joke when like people are like i'm gonna read a book a, a book a month i'm gonna read 12 books this year no romance readers literally read thousands a year i'm not even kidding like they're so voracious they always want more and it's like the minute they have their favorite author they will literally auto buy anything they write and it's like people look at tropes they're like okay if there, is there a boss romance is there an office romance i'm gonna buy everything in this category like they don't mess around. Like, it lends itself to a fast, fun, and friendly read. Because, like, the typical romance is, like, typically between, like, two and three hundred pages, right? Two to, two to three fifty? Yeah. So, um, the Harlequin category books, like, the In the Boss's Bed, like, the ones I write, yes. are, like, 50, 55,000 words. Uh-huh. It's not really in pages anymore because ebooks are such a huge thing, so a lot of people go by words. Uh, a single title goes to, like, 80,000. But still, they're they're really quick. They're really fun, easy reads. Like it's nothing too trying. Like you can, you like yeah, you can literally kill a book in a day or two or three. Like yeah, because I think a lot the mistake that those book a week people make is like, finally, I'm going to read Ulysses, and it's like, eh. <laughs> do you really want to? <laughs> right, read something fun. <laughs> yeah, read something fun. You'll, you'll the the one thing that'll put you off reading is you stop reading fun things. Brian's my husband. One night we were, me and uh, Brian reading in bed, and he was, like, reading, like, he reads, like, these huge, like, these little, like, super thick sci-fi books. And I'm like, what are you reading? He'll tell me. I was like, are they banging yet? And he's like, no. I'm like, why not? Like, I'm just like, if they're not banging, I don't care. <laughs> With Dark and L, you're, you're reading for, and are you reading just kind of, like, straight throughout those two days, more or less, that your power was gone? Yeah, yeah. I um, Because, like, I don't know if you've seen, like, the Google Play Books Library. Yes. Like, it's, like, I literally just, like, click, 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 like, whatever looked interesting, I just kind of picked mm-hmm. it up and read it. And uh, it's actually funny, like, one of the first books I read from Harlequin Blaze was from Tani Weber, who released on the same month in Blaze that I did my first book. And I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> like, that's still, like, a huge fangirl moment for me. And then I was like, I looked at the books that I was releasing with for my debut, and I was like, Tani Weber and Vicky Thompson and Tanya Michaels. And I was like, holy shit! Like, it was such a huge deal for me because, like, these were all, like, superstars. That's awesome. Yeah, it was It was very cool. It was, like, still, like, the coolest moment I've ever had when I saw that. 
And then actually, Tani messaged me a little while ago for she was having the release party, and she's like, she like emailed me, and she's like, oh hey, when are you done like doing like a release thing? Like, and I was like, oh, I wanted to open spots for my friends first, and then like whoever wants to join after can. I was like, your friends? <laughs> like, I was like, so cool. <laughs> It's very cool that like your your idols can become like your colleagues. Like that's a very cool thing. That's the amazing thing when you start following the thing that you love is that because you already admire the people who already do it, like they see you as one of their own. So you do become friends and colleagues. It's kind of an amazing thing. It's so it's so weird. Yeah, like it's the strangest coolest thing ever. It's like when like Lori Foster who's my favorite followed me on Twitter. I'm like, "Oh my god, Lori." Like our books were together like on the shelf at Walmart. And I'm like, "Ah!" Like it was just such a cool thing. <laughs> oh, one so uh, going going back to it, like it was during the Dark and L period or shortly after that you started writing and you were writing in secret, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And how long was it before you had finished what you were writing? I'm trying to think now because I wrote what became Bump and Grind was the first book I had out, but it was I released it after I'd sold my book to Harlequin. So it was like it wasn't the first thing I'd finished, but it was the first thing I released. Um, I wrote in a version of that in maybe eight months. That's about like sixty thousand words. Like, and I, I rejigged it and tweaked it and changed a bunch, and then I released it as Bump and Grind. May twenty sixteen? No, March twenty sixteen. Yeah, two years ago. So that was took me like eight months to like finish it. Did you confide in your husband as you were writing your initial book, or was that a secret to everybody? I think it was a secret. I don't know how I hid it. It must have been when he was at work. <laughs> but okay. uh, And it's funny because there's another local author who did the same thing. Like her husband would go to bed and she would stay up and write on her tablet. But uh, yeah, it was. I, I just didn't tell anybody. And eventually I was just like, I'm writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it wasn't even a book at the time. I wouldn't dare call it a book. I'm writing a story. What gave you the confidence to, to sell it and become an author? Uh, Actually, Harlequin tell me I was okay. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I would do anything. I wouldn't be doing anything if it wasn't for someone like that outside perspective telling me, oh, this is good. We're, this is worth money. Like, I don't think I would be, I don't think I would still be like writing things if it wasn't for Harlequin telling me, okay, this is good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that outside uh, acceptance or like that. No, that's crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, believe it or not. Like we are talking about earlier, it's like, okay, your friends could love it, but... Strangers need to as well. Yeah, exactly. Strangers pay me. <laughs> I, sound, I sound like such a whore. I'm just like, I only do it for money. <laughs> like... <laughs> But that's like, honestly, so much is asked of writers to contribute for fee that you have to put your foot down. Pay me. We're not even asking for a lot as writers. It's just like, you know, pay me. You're not you're not asking for a lot as a writer. You just want to get paid. Pay me for words. That's it. If you want quality words, you should offer even the most measly price. A writer will do it. They just want the dignity of paid work. Like, after I read, like, probably a couple hundred romances, like, since Dark and L before I started writing, because that's how romance readers read. Like, like a romance reader will consume, like, 
dozens of books a month. I'm not even kidding. Yes. Like people like these audiences read and they read fast and they read a lot. So there's it's literally a billion dollar industry keeping the lights on in every publishing mm. house. But you're the um, secret hero. Then all romance writers right? are the secret heroes. Except, no, then we know that, but no one else will acknowledge that romance is like literally saving pro- publishing. But at Juanita, the moment. you can't be an underdog if everybody knows you're your hero. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, like when I started writing, I kind of started secretly. I didn't even tell Brian, like my husband. I um, like I was just like I could, you know what? I could probably write one of these. It's not as easy as saying, oh, I could probably write one. (laughs) (laughs) But thankfully, I was experienced (laughs) by fanfic. I'm now throwing away my already, like, tentative notes for pounded in the butt by a VHS collection of rock appearances. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So anyway, I wrote in secret for a while. And then I uh, submitted to Harlequin. And I still kind of kept a secret brian knew at that point not many other people did but then when they like picked me up and like bought my store bought bought my book i was like i gotta tell people (laughs) so i was like i kind of treated like i was like like coming out as a romance author be like like so what are you doing i'd be like i'd like take people out to lunch and be like well (laughs) i'm writing romance like (laughs) it was a very strange weird thing that i did like not that I was embarrassed, but I was, like, kind of wondering how other people would react. Like, you know what I mean? Like, meeting, like, strangers and mostly men are the worst. It's like, I wrote romance. It's like, oh, how do you research? I'm like, and they'll, like, wink at Brian and be like, like, flipping them off gross. in my head. Like, fuck you, buddy. Like, yeah, right? Like, people have really gross reactions to it sometimes. You know, genre fiction gets dissed all the time. I know this is a lifelong horror fan. And... Usually things get ragged on just because they're popular. Now, I can't speak to the quality of, say, E.L. James, but it sounds like she's always the name that's brought up. Previously, it was Stephanie Meyer about what romance is and how your work compares to that. What is it like being asked about your work in comparison to another author and because there's a set of prejudices attached to James's work and Meyer's work and indeed the romance genre and all genres, I would say, like, what is it like to be confronted with that? It was like the whole like literary versus genre writing, like that debate. And I was like, you know what? If What's wrong with the genre? Like nothing. Going as a person who loves horror, um, genre always wins that fight. Hello. Every Valentine's Day, like romance authors, like brace themselves <laughs> for all the think pieces and like the interview requests. And it's like, oh, well, what do you think about Fifty Shades? I was like, that's not all what romance is. Like, I'm not going to rag on E.L. James. She made a bajillion dollars for what she did. There's so much more. There are literally hundreds of thousands of books out there that aren't Fifty Shades of Grey. From, like, if you're into supernatural romance, fine. If you're into historical, fine. Like, if you're into contemporary, fine. Like, sci-fi, fine. Like, there's just so much out there that people don't get. And I was like, I think if people looked hard enough, they'd find something they liked in it. Like, what's what's wrong with people falling in love and being happy? Like... I think most of the derision comes from the fact that it's female-centered. I like I, I don't want to claim like oh sexism about everything, but I'm pretty sure it's like have you ever seen a man write sex? Like you see that Sean Penn book that came out? Yeah. <laughs> you think about like how like Morrissey or Sean Penn write sex, and it's like no, no, let's 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 leave this to the women, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's gonna come out and be like people are gonna malign me for it, but oh whatever, you're still right. <laughs> 
But it's uh, like if there's like, okay, so the idea that people are like, oh, it gives women bad expect like false expectations. Like, no, men sh- could just live up to what we want. Women should just want what they want until and get it when they find it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's. I don't know. I'm not very articulate about it, but <laughs> no, that sounds, it's, it sounds like you're proposing the ultimate male spy game that in order to pick up ladies, they Read just romance. their studies. Exactly. Like they say like, oh, teens are watching porn and they're making sex bad. And I was like, te- like, if I ever have a son, I'm making him read romance. If he ever wants to please. Me. I know it's kind of perverse to think about your son, but, you know, kids are going to do it. I don't care. But like read romance. That's how you please a woman like that. That's it's literally a how to guide. Like, that, these are the things you do, and then she'll be happy, and life is okay. I always try to write, like, a strong, funny, feisty heroine. Like, that's that's my brand at this point. The heroes are strong, but the heroines really give it to them. <laughs> like, they, they make them fight. It shows that the women, the woman wins every, actually, one of my tweets got picked up once by, um, I don't know, a book write article or something, because I said, like, romance is a, is a genre where the woman wins every time. It's a genre that's for women, or, you know what, it's for everyone, but it's largely by women, largely for women. Juanita, are you saying that uh, romance as a genre is strong enough for a woman, but made for everyone? Yes, I am. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming out and talking to me today, Juan. Aw, thanks for having me. Fandom is a huge drive for writers, even though no one likes to admit it. Fanfic and other fan creations are regularly mocked. At least, that's the stance coming from a lot of mainstream writers. But look at Juanita! Fandom got her into writing back in her wrestling and Buffy days, and after a long absence from the craft, she returns to writing after becoming a fan of romance novels. Fandom drives writers. You only want to write about the things which excite you. Just as Juanita advises to read fun books, if you want to read more books this year, I'd add that the only way you'll write more is if you write something fun. If you want to hear more from Juanita, your cup soon to runneth over. Relevant links to Juanita's sexy web presence will be in our show notes at megaphonic.fm slash thereby slash eight. But wait, there's more! Juanita's a recent guest on another Megaphonic podcast, This Is Your Mixtape, hosted by my pal Michael Collins. On Mixtape, Juanita chose five songs to represent her life in its five ages. Her first song, for when she was mewling and puking in the nurse's arms, up to her fifth song covering second childishness and mere oblivion, plus all the stages in between, including a Limp Bizkit phase slash age. What word was I using again? Let's say it was age. Sure, why not? Look, they'll, they'll, there's going to be a link. Look. There'll be a link to Juanita's episode in our show notes, so go listen to Mixtape once you're done listening to this. Or you can find the whole podcast at megaphonic.fm slash mixtape. <sighs> well, we did it. We're just about done, but before we go, I have to ask the immortal question, who's our next buy on their time? My name is Seamus Heffernan, the author of Napalm Hearts. That's next month on there, bye. For now, this is Adam. Uh... Oh, shoot. I know. I mean, I know that I should say I'm Adam Clark and we're ending the podcast now, but I don't have an outro. I should have written one down. Oh, wait, I have a sheet of paper that's crumpled up here. Maybe there's something good on that. My name is Adam and I'm here to say, oh, God damn it. Ah, screw it. Just end the show now.
And Thereby Hangs the Tales is a production of Megaphonic FM. We make podcasts, and podcasts are the friends who live in your ears.